to a church that has good music and and uh, does the right kind of music and that's uh, brother albach and uh, his church and just really solid and uh, blessing it was uh, neat to see a lot of their young people participating, playing the piano, the organ, leading the music, and so that was kind of neat to uh, participate. Let's take our Bibles tonight to the book of First Peter. Uh, so thankful for you being here tonight, just being faithful. And we're going to go to chapter 1, going to look at a, a marvelous truth here in the Word of God. And one thing I am so thankful for is my security in salvation. Uh, to be able to know that I know that I'm saved and uh, to be able to be secure, uh, not in who I am, but in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for me. And uh, I'm absolutely 100% uh, convinced through the word of God you know, that a truly born again child of God is anchored, can never lose that, uh, that which God has given unto them. It's a wonderful truth, and some have said, well, does not that give you a license to sin? I think as you understand the Word of God, no, it's just the opposite of that. In fact, when you understand that security and, and just see what Jesus has done for you, uh, that the Lord is the one that holds you, uh, ought to cause you to love the Lord, to want to please the Lord above all things. And so this is a precious truth, and we're going to delve into that here tonight. And uh, I, I don't think we're going to get all the way through this in a particular section, but uh, let's stand here and we'll read uh, a portion of God's Word. And I uh, want to begin here at verse number one, and uh, we're going to take this here tonight uh, as far as we can. I probably cut it off here in the midst of um, of uh, this thought and continue uh, continue the thought here another another time. Uh, we read verse number one, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and uh, of course we know we know who Peter is, and we saw that this was a seasoned saint, and uh, maybe we ought to invite Peter to come to our seasoned saint luncheon here. But he was a seasoned saint and had been used of God. Uh, in a great, great way. Many trials when he writes this, and it's toward the end of his life, and it was not long after this that he would be crucified upside down. Uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, uh, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in, that or in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, and whom though you now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And there's just one theme in this section of scripture that uh, to me just keeps coming uh, up over and over and it's that security of the believer. It's that security of one that truly knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
Uh, we're going to delve into some of this tonight and take this as far as we can. And I hope you'll take down some notes because uh, you're, you're, we live in an area where a lot of people do not understand the security of the believer. And in not understanding, they don't understand true salvation and uh, what God has done. So we're going to look at some truths tonight that are so very crucial. You'll join me tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for your precious word. You're so gracious and good. And Lord, it's good to be in this place. And already we've been blessed uh, just to uh, sing songs and sense your presence and to fellowship one with another. And, and thank you for the church that you've given unto us. And, and Lord, as we open up the word of God, we pray tonight that you would be our teacher, that you would guide into the truths of your word. And, and Peter is dealing with some very deep doctrine right here in this section of scripture. And I pray that uh, with simplicity, we can come and, and just deal with uh, some truths that might help us tonight. And Lord, uh, thank you. Uh, you're good to us. We praise you. Thank you for security. Thank you for the gift of salvation that we can never lose when we have it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated here this evening. You know, for, for us in the Bible, this is one of the most precious truths of God's Word. And it's what I would call just the security of a blood-bought uh, believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. A blood-bought uh, child of God. Uh, any person who does not believe in the security of the believer really doesn't understand the true meaning of salvation. And uh, we're living, we live in an area where... Um, uh, so much teaching in, in this issue of salvation. Uh, there are so many that teach that, yes, you, you can be saved, but uh, uh, if you don't hold out to the end, you can lose it. Or uh, if you mess up, then you can, you can lose that salvation. Or uh, if you do certain things that uh, you're no longer secure. And um, so a lot of that teaching is here in our area. And I, and I believe uh, a lot of people just don't grasp what salvation is all about. Uh, I am so thankful that my salvation was finished at the cross of Calvary, that it was all of Jesus, that it's not of me, that it's not of works, that you know, Jesus paid the price in full. You see, a salvation that is not secure becomes dependent upon human ability. And human ability always falls short. You see, if, if salvation is not secure, then that means I have to do my part to hold out or I have to keep myself from sin. And uh, the, the moment I have to do something, I, I mess up. Uh, and if I got salvation and I could lose it, I would have lost it a minute after I got saved and probably even sooner than that uh, because I just can't do it. It was by God's grace that I was saved. Uh, but here tonight, because of the security of salvation, we can have an assurance of salvation. Uh, the Bible says that um, uh, those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ can know that they are saved. Uh, Paul the Apostle said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12, he said, I know whom I have believed. It. He said, I don't have any doubt about it. I know whom I believe it. And Paul said, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Uh, Paul understood the security of his salvation was not in himself, but it was in the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you, 
that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And I'm glad it's eternal life because eternal means exactly what it means and what it says. It means eternal. That means forever and ever. And according to the Word of God, the moment I receive it, I receive that gift of eternal life. And if I could lose it, then it's no longer eternal. And so he that believes on him may know that he has eternal life and that he believes on the name of the Son of God. Again, if we could lose our salvation tonight... We could never have an assurance of salvation. Now, I, I do want to say something. There are a lot of people that cling to what we would say eternal security who have never been born again. Okay, and that's a dangerous thing. Uh, salvation for those that have truly been born again is secure. Uh, but if you've not been born again, you don't have it, and you're not secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you have that salvation, you're kept by the Lord. And uh, that salvation is because of God's faithfulness, and because of that faithfulness we can know, and because of that faithfulness we can have security. Now what I want to do tonight is just delve in to uh, the book of uh, 1 Peter tonight and look at some truths that would really emphasize for us the security of a believer. Now, what I'm dealing with tonight is so crucial. If you can grasp this truth of security, you can truly be saved and know that you know you're saved. This will transform you uh, to be able to do something for Jesus Christ. So let's look at, at uh, this, these truths in God's Word tonight. Now, uh, the first uh, truth that I want to look at is the work of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in our security. Uh, read with me in verse number 2 and you'll see the Trinity that is mentioned here. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And uh, you'll see the, the Trinity is brought forth and we find the Trinity... Throughout the Word of God, it's very clear, uh, God manifest or God revealed in, in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as we deal with this issue of salvation, each part of the Trinity plays a key role in our salvation and a key role in our security. And so I want to examine some of this tonight. Now, first of all, if you look in verse number two, the ministry of God the Father. The Bible says elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And a lot of, uh, a lot of people, I, I think, go to seed on this statement here. But you see, Peter immediately delves into a very deep doctrinal topic. And he speaks of election. He speaks of foreknowledge. And interestingly, always, as you look at the elect, it's always in reference to those that are saved. Always the elect, those that are saved. Now, here tonight, understand something. We, we grasp this God is sovereign tonight. The universe is His. He created it. He can do anything that He wants to do that is consistent with His character tonight. Now, when we talk about God, God has a plan. God has a purpose. Nothing wrong with having a plan. Nothing wrong with a purpose. God has a plan. He has a purpose for man that He created. Our, our little finite uh, uh, little brains... Uh, we cannot comprehend tonight an infinite holy God. Uh, we can never put God into our box. I want you to consider as we talk about this, this sovereignty, as we talk about God's plan, 
You see, it's God that planned the universe. He made everything from nothing. Uh, he had a, a divine decree, a divine plan. Uh, how many of you here tonight did God come to you and ask you how he ought to make the universe? Did he ask your opinion of anything? Did the Lord ever ask you how to make water, how to put the sun in the sky, and how to hang the earth on nothing? Did the Lord ever ask you any of those details? Did he, did he ask you what color the sky should look, and did he ask you uh, what kind of animals that he should make? No, of course not. You see, the Lord had a plan. He made everything from nothing, and he didn't ask any of us or anybody how to do it or how to go about it, you see, in his will and his sovereignty and his uh, holiness and in his power, uh, God made it all. And God chose in that plan to make man. And he chose in that plan to make man in his image. Uh, he chose to make you. Isn't that a blessing? Did God come to you and ask you, do you want to be? No, uh, he did not. Uh, but he made you. He never asked you if you wanted to be a person, but he made you. And as the psalmist said, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And when God made you, he chose the details about your life. Did you choose whether you would be a male or female? Of course not. God chose that. And by the way, if God made you to be a male, be very pleased with that. If God chose you to be a female, uh, be pleased with that. You don't need to argue with what God made you to be. Uh, you didn't choose your parents. You did not choose your siblings. Uh, uh, you did not choose your nationality. You didn't choose your physical feature, your mental capacity, your personality. Uh, you didn't choose the time in history in which you would be born. And uh, God uh, determined those details, each and every detail about your life. Uh, God chose. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and God is such a wonderful God. And in God's plan... God permitted man to fall. See, God knew that in creating man as a moral agent, man would fall if given a choice. God did not make man to be a robot and uh, to love him, uh, but God gave man uh, a choice and a will, and uh, man chose to disobey God. And God allowed that. But here's an amazing thing. Is God is still God. It did not change God, did not change the holiness of God. You see, God planned for that as well. Because Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so God knew that man would fall, that man would fail. And God planned for a Savior to come into the world. And God planned to elect whosoever will to salvation for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and I believe God offers to man an invitation and let me just state tonight I believe it's a legitimate invitation to each and every one it's a legitimate invitation and Adrian Rogers said that invitation is for all and anybody may come unto the Lord and God is not willing that any should perish and he says come Unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But you see, there must be a response. And that's your responsibility. And that's my responsibility. And those that receive that invitation become God's elect. And see, God is sovereign over his own sovereignty. And despite sinful man, uh, God can work his plan despite all of that. Isn't that such an amazing thing? You see, God knows what he's doing. 
We may not comprehend all that God is doing and all that he is. I can't explain God. And I can't explain his gift of salvation. I can't explain why God would so love man that he would leave the glory of heaven and come into this world. I do know this tonight, that nothing can derail the plan of God. I know that Satan can tempt Eve and that Adam and Eve can choose against God and I know that still that will not derail God and I know that still we have the Lord Jesus Christ and Satan can take Jesus to the cross and crucify Christ but up from the grave he will rise and, and God's plan will still be fulfilled and nothing has taken God by surprise tonight. I know that sinful man can resist and reject God, but God will still accomplish his purpose and still fulfill his word. And it's very clear that those who come to Christ are secure, and God will secure the elect. Now let me show you something. Keep your place here. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Romans. And such a neat passage. We often quote this, Romans chapter 8. But if you go with me to Romans chapter 8 and just see... God's plan in all of this, how good God is. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. We often quote this verse, but we stop at that point. But I want you to see something. In verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We like to quote that, don't we? And we claim that, and it's a truth in God's word. But I want you to see something. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It's very clear those that come to Christ are going to be conformed to the image of Christ. The Lord begins a work in their heart. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? But I want you to go on and notice this security. In verse 35, he's, he's speaking to those that have come to Christ. In verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, nay. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, here's what Paul said, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see that security? It's very simple. If you've come to Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You're kept by God the Father. That's the ministry of the Father in our security. But let's go back to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 2. This is so neat. He states in chapter 1, verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, but notice this, through sanctification of the Spirit. We have the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our security through sanctification. Now, we understand through salvation, we're born of the Spirit of God. In John chapter 3, verse 5, to Nicodemus, Jesus answered Nicodemus. He said, Verily, I verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water 
and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then he describes in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. It's God's Spirit that calls us. It's God's Spirit that convicts us. It's God's Spirit that converts us. And see, once we're born of God's Spirit, it's God's Spirit that begins this work of sanctification in the heart of any man being Christ who's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The Spirit of God begins a work in molding us to the image of Jesus, making us like Jesus. You see, God's Spirit at that point of salvation begins to mature us. and God's Spirit begins to take the Word of God and to convict us where we're amiss and then to cleanse us through confession. And God's Spirit teaches us, guides us, and He moves us to the perfect will of God for our life. Now, as we look at the Scripture, there are several Scriptures that show us the ministry of God's Spirit in our security. Now go back again to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And you look at these wonderful truths in God's word. Uh, Romans chapter 8. See they called Peter an ignorant fisherman. But boy Peter is dealing with some deep doctrine. Romans chapter 8 verse number 1. Uh, we read in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, isn't that wonderful? No condemnation. I'll never have to go to hell. For the law of the Spirit of life is in Christ Jesus, who had made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse number 11, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Verse 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You see, this is the assurance that God gives to a born-again, blood-bought child of God by the ministry of the work of His Spirit as we're born of the Spirit. But I believe if you go forward to the book of Ephesians, it, it becomes even more clear to us. Ephesians chapter number one, Ephesians chapter number one. And notice what the Lord says of this ministry of God's Spirit in our security. In Ephesians chapter one, verse number 12, uh, it reads that ye, he's speaking to save people, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. Did you catch that? The Bible says that when we put our faith and trust in the Lord, that we are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, and that Spirit of promise becomes the earnest. That's the guarantee. It's like the earnest money. You go down to uh, purchase something at a store and uh, you at that time lay down some earnest money and, and you say, I, I want to put this hundred dollar bill toward this. Set this aside. I, I'm going to come back with the full purchase price. And uh, you come back uh, later and you're laying down that earnest money. It's the guarantee that you're going to come. Well, uh, the Spirit of God is the guarantee that Jesus is going to come back for you. The redemption of that 
purchased possession. You're sealed by God's Spirit. And I have news for you tonight. If you could lose salvation, that seal would have to be broken. And that's an impossibility. God keeps you. And then we read a moment ago, go to 1 John chapter 5. And again, you see the work of God's Spirit and the security. In the book of 1 John chapter number 5, 1 John chapter 5, uh, look in verse number 10. The Bible says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. We saw in Romans chapter 8 that witness is the presence of his Holy Spirit. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. Very simply, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now, these things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And it's that Spirit of God within us that gives witness of the testimony of Jesus Christ, that security within our heart. You see, to lose our salvation, that seal would have to be broken. That earnest that is within us is no good. It's worthless, but it's not, of course. The earnest of our salvation would have to be taken back. And God doesn't take that earnest back. He paid the price in full. So we have the ministry of God the Father in our security, the ministry of God the Holy Spirit in our security. Now go back to 1 Peter again, chapter 1. And this time look with me in verse number 2 again. And it reads, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it was Henry Ward Beecher that separated people into two categories. And he said one category of the whosoever wills and the other category the whosoever wants. And he said the whosoever wills have come to Jesus in obedience to his word and his spirit. And the whosoever wills because Jesus abides and lives within them love Jesus and they have the desire to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is precious unto them unto the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. You notice in verse number 8, as Peter is talking about this relationship, and he's speaking to those that have been saved, whom having not seen. How many of you have seen Jesus? And yet the Bible says, whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. See, Peter had seen Jesus. Peter had walked with him for three years. Peter had denied him. And the Lord had appeared to Peter in John chapter 21. Said, Peter, lovest thou me? And, and Peter said, yes, Lord, I, I love thee. And three times, yea, Lord, you know that I love you. And, and Peter had seen the Lord. Yet the Bible says of us whom having not seen, you love. And that ought to be our heart if we know him. We love him. Though we have not seen him with our physical eyes, we've seen him with spiritual eyes. And he lives within us. And notice there in verse number two again this statement unto obedience. But I like this sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood was shed. He gave his blood that we might have life. Uh, go forward to verse number 18 of 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver or gold, from your vain conversation, 
uh, received by tradition from your fathers, but how were we redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He shed his blood that we might have that assurance. You go back to Romans chapter 5 with me this time. Romans chapter 5 as he speaks about that precious, wonderful blood. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 7, Romans 5 and verse number 7, uh, reads, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended this love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You see, I've got news that blood was sufficient. You go back to Romans chapter 3 in verse number 23. Romans 3 verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Do you see the importance of that precious, wonderful blood? Now, I want you to go to the book of Hebrews because this becomes so very clear. Do you realize that his blood is sufficient to save us once and for all? That he died once, that he shed his blood, and that was sufficient. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 14. It says, How much more then, or how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death or the redemption of transgressions that were under the First Testament, uh, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Go to verse number 24. For Christ does not enter into holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered one, or since the foundation of the world. But notice this, now once. In the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed in man once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many unto them that look for him. Shall he appear uh, uh, the second time without sin unto salvation. Do you see that Jesus died one time. He did not have to come over and over and over and be offered. But one time he shed his blood and as he shed his blood he cried, it is finished. It is paid. It's paid in full. I paid that debt and understand just as there was one sacrifice for sin, salvation is once and for all. When I trusted Christ, my sin was forgiven. My past sin, my present sin, my future sin, it was put under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the sprinkling of that blood that purifies us uh, and has that assurance of salvation. Now go back to the Gospel of John for just a moment. John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. 
And I want you to see this wonderful, precious promise as the Lord ties this together for us. In John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. How long is eternal? It's forever and ever. You see, it, it means what it says, and it says what it means. I give unto them eternal life. Friend, if you could lose it, that blood was not sufficient. He would have to die again and again. But I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No, friend, if you've come to Christ, you will never have to face hell. But notice this, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You see, if you are in Christ, there's nothing that can take you out of Christ. There's nobody, nothing, not even yourself, that can pluck you out of the hand of Jesus. But he didn't stop there. He says, I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. That's pretty secure. Do you see what the Bible is saying? To lose your salvation, you would have to break the seal of the Holy Spirit of God. That's an impossibility. To lose that salvation, you would have to be plucked out of the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's an impossibility. And to lose that salvation, you would have to be plucked out of the hand of God the Father. And that's an impossibility. Do you see the Trinity in your security? That's what 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2 is expressing to us. I can tell I'm not going to make it nearly as far as I was going to make it tonight. But I want you to go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Because there's a, a precious truth that's tied in to all of this. In 1 Peter, notice, let's go, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. And let's read that, that, those next verses. And it says in, in verse, and, and I have to get to this uh, later. But he says in verse number two, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And, and uh, it's through grace that we're saved. We're saved by grace. We're kept by grace. And, and because of that grace, a peace is multiplied. And, and then we read, blessed be God the Father, or be the, the, uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, which according to his abundant mercy have begotten us. And that's the, the new birth that takes place through the Spirit of God. Begotten us again to a lively hope. That's a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And, and you see, uh, not only was the blood shed and that once uh, sacrifice was sufficient and the blood is sufficient and, and, and an eternal uh, salvation, uh, but he said, up from the grave he arose and uh, Jesus is alive and that security is manifest through the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. But notice this statement here, and I'll have to come back and build upon this statement or these uh, verses later. But notice the statement of the promise, and what a promise here in verse number four. To an inheritance incorruptible. That means non-destructible. And undefiled. 
it'll never be stained. That fadeth not away, it'll never lose its value. You ever bought a new car, you bring it home and the sun shines on it and the luster of the car goes away? Well, not salvation. It fadeth not away. In fact, it ought to grow sweeter and sweeter every day. It fadeth not away. But notice this, reserved in heaven for you. Uh, that means it's guarded. It's kept. It's reserved. I was thinking back, did any of you ever make a, a reservation at a hotel? And you get there and you discover that you don't have a reservation. That ever happened? We made a reservation once for a missionary and told the missionary where to go and asked the missionary to show up. And they showed up there and they asked for their reservation and they had lost the reservation. And it turns out the person that took the reservation wrote it down and forgot to plug it into the system. And the reservation was lost. But my friend, you have a reservation if you're saved, reserved in heaven for you. And that reservation's never going to be lost. <laughs> you see, because it's secure, sealed, it's kept, it's held forever and ever. You see, that's a security that's totally, completely safe. But notice verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God. Whoa. See, that's a power that said, let there be light. And there was light. That's a power that said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus had to obey. Uh, that's a power that raised Jesus from the dead, proven to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Who are kept by the power of God. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I would say to you, that's pretty secure, isn't it? Not a wonderful promise, a wonderful blessing. I am so grateful tonight that my security is not in my faithfulness. My security is not in who I am. It's not in my ability. My security is not in whether I can keep from sinning or not. My security is in one that is far above me. My security is in an almighty God that purchased me. And the Bible teaches, and this is for those that are truly born again, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. See, he cannot deny himself. That's the security those are the wonderful promises. There's security in the power of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's security in those promises that God has given unto us. I'm going to close with that thought tonight. There's so much more in this section of Scripture. We haven't even touched the surface tonight in looking at this security. But what a blessing as we see what God has done for us. Father, thank you.